This is your hopes, your dreams, your ambitions, your soul in a roll. It's your life. Tomorrow on that field, it's do or die. Win or cry. Go, baby, go! Welcome to the Fade Route with DNZ. Here are your hosts. DNZ. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Fade Route with DNZ. I am Z and we got a great show for you. We're talking about Jean Morant missing the remainder of the series with the Warriors and possibly getting bounced from the playoffs. The potential weaknesses of the Miami Dolphins. And we're going to order up the top five quarterbacks on the hot seat this season in the NFL, but we are going to start with the big news out of Major League Baseball. We already had another one. Another one. Our second no-no of the year as the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, the surprising Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, who are finally, maybe, possibly, living up to the billing that they have been sorely, sorely lacking. No-hit the Rays. So they didn't no-hit a schlub team. They they no-hit a good team. 12-0. Not just a no-hitter, but an absolute beatdown. To the point where the Rays threw up the white flag and Brett Phillips, your favorite player's favorite player, ended up pitching. Not only did Brett Phillips end up pitching, but to ratchet up the absurd factor, Brett Phillips gave up a home run to Anthony Rendon. This is not absurd in and of itself until you realize he was batting left-handed. Anthony Rendon does not hit left-handed, ladies and gentlemen. He hits right-handed. This is the first time Anthony Rendon had ever hit left-handed in a Major League Baseball game, and he went yard. What the hell was going on in Anaheim last night? The story, of course, is Reed Detmers. Congratulations to Reed Detmers. Complete game, one walk, two strikeouts. Only two strikeouts. So that is credit where credit is due to the Rays. They made this kid earn it. And frankly, it is very interesting to me how much of a role the Angels are on because we're just, I'm so used to them being so mediocre that anything they do that's outside of that mediocrity, it's surprising now. But kudos, congratulations to the Angels. 
and let's see if they can actually stay relevant for an entire season. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes, flight crew through and through the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? Yeah, man. I mean, listen, no-hitters are always impressive. It's, you know, everyone loves loves the perfect game, but no-hitter is still extremely impressive. This one was the, I believe it was the 12th in the Angels' history. Um, he had, Detmers had 64 pitches through six innings, 80 through, through seven innings, 94 through eight innings. So he really wasn't throwing a lot of pitches. Um, he did walk somebody. Uh, there was an error on the first baseman at one point on a hard hit ball. Um, and then he had to sit through a long bottom of the eighth because, like you mentioned, they brought in Phillips to pitch and he gave up four runs, two home runs. So he definitely earned it. Uh, he was pretty shocked at the end of the game. He's saying, you know, it was always something he dreamed of as a little kid. He never really thought it would ever happen. And uh, he, he was excited for he was excited for every for the last out, and rightfully so. But you know, does the the laugher kind of take away from the no hitter a little bit because it was such an ass whooping to the point where I mean, to me, the Rendon thing bothered me. Like it may not bother you, and you know, frankly, that that's okay. It might just be a me thing. But why the fuck are you getting up left handed? What do you, I mean, that's an embarrassment. You know, the, I, I get the game's already out of reach. I, I understand that they are not putting up any kind of fight. You know, they're not getting any hits. They're not doing anything to stop you. But to me, that is a slap in the face to competition. Yeah. Like to me, it's like beer league softball. I just, it, it just rubbed me the wrong way. No, no, I get it. Uh, it's a little to me it's a little bush league right it's a little like kind of like don't disrespect the game to me it's kind of disrespecting the game a little bit um i didn't hear why rendon did it um you know i i know that they were trying to, uh, if he was doing it because he thought he was gonna make out and it might make the inning go faster I could get, I could, I could be okay with it, but I don't like showing up the pitcher. I don't like showing up your competition. You know, it's like, you know, when you play basketball with someone that doesn't really play basketball good, I don't like when people are make, trying to make him look like a fool, like dribbling in front of him or throwing things around him and things like that. So I guess it could mark it up there. Yeah, I get where you're coming from on that. I'm not sure how I feel about it. At first, I was like, oh, I mean, that's incredible that he did that. And then I did feel like you were saying, I was like, eh, it's a little disrespectful. I don't like that you did that. You might I, get hit next time you get up to bat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know you're doing it against uh, a pitcher who is not a pitcher. Granted, Brett Phillips is in a lot of games, but he's not a pitcher. He's an outfielder. Like, yeah. did, So I get the whole idea. Like, we were talking about it last year with, you know, the Yerman Mercedes thing. So if we go all the way back to that, where you know what got uh, a, a bug up Tony Larusa's ass, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, this one rubs me the wrong way, and I, I get you call off the dogs. You know, maybe maybe that was it because I was I was just trying to find a little bit of clip or may, maybe some copy as to you know what his thought process was. And, yeah, I didn't see it. I, I also it I also think I would feel differently if it wasn't a no hitter. Like, mm-hmm. let's say it was just like. You know, this is a regular game. It's like 18 to 2. And, you know, we're just going to mess around. Because if, he, if he's going to mess around, just take him out of the game. You know? Like, right. that, 
that would be me. That would be more raising the white. That would be more of giving, you know, accepting the surrender than having your players bat left-handed, you know. So, um, but you know, good for the Angels. Uh, I think Major League Baseball is happy there. They got first place teams in California and New York, and they're not the Yankees and the Dodgers, so that's good. Um, maybe get to see, finally get to see Trout in the playoffs, try to see Otani in the playoffs. So definitely heading in the right, right direction there. We love youth sports. Not only do they get the kids out and active, but they teach the necessary skills of teamwork, sportsmanship, and fair play. One organization that we are proud to partner with is Osning AYSO Soccer. Their mission is to develop and deliver quality, player-centered youth soccer programs that promote a fun, fair, family environment where everyone is welcome and everyone plays. If you have a child between the ages of 4 and 18, registration for the Fall 2022, Spring 2023 season opens April 27th with an early bird special. Sign up before June 15th for only $175 per child. For more information, to sign up or to volunteer as a coach or referee, go to AYSO201.org today. The more volunteers, the more children can enjoy the youth soccer experience with Austining AYSO. That's AYSO201.org. More soccer for more kids. AYSO201.org. Visa and MasterCard payments only. We have so much to talk about today. And, you know, one of the things we got to talk about is the NBA started giving out some more awards. Monty Williams walks away with Coach of the Year. And Jokic wins the MVP for the second year in a row. Do you have any issues with these selections? Would you like to make a case for any other candidates? So, I am going to take them one by one. Because I have significant nits to pick on both of them. Now, I understand that Monty Williams, you know, weren't coaching the best team. And he had fantastic success. But... If you're looking at some of the other guys that received Coach of the Year award nominees, like Eric Spolstra, fine, Eric Spolstra, Miami was the number one overall seed, right? I'm looking at guys, right? Coach of the Year should be for a team that was not expected to do anything or a team that played above and beyond their talent level. So to me, that's a Taylor Jenkins of Memphis. That's Udoka from Boston. Like, oh, granted, they have good players, but they were dead in the water. In January, February, we were saying trade. We were saying trade, burn Tatum, it trade, burn, burn it, it down. down. Burn, burn it down. Burn no. it the fuck down. Exactly. <laughs> JB Bickerstaff. You know, Nick Nurse. He's got, he has, what, Pascal Siakam and a bunch of dudes. Like, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and a bunch of players to be named later. Like, he did an admirable, admirable job. Chris Finch of Minnesota. If you want to stretch, Willie Green of New Orleans. He took a bunch of also-rans. These two guys were able to get into the playoffs with their teams. That, I mean... Minnesota has not been relevant in years. Probably, I would argue, since Kevin Garnett, <laughs> since Kevin Garnett left. So, though, to me, that is 
you know, the rich get richer, and I'm not a fan of the results of the coach of the year. As far as the MVP goes, I mean, this was Joel Embiid's to win. I'm sorry. You're looking at... I get what Jokic does. He's very good at what he does. And Joel Embiid played six fewer games. But in those six fewer games, Joel Embiid averaged more points. And he had that team on his back. Even when James Harden was there. To me, this felt like it was Embiid's year if it's ever going to be his year. And he, to me, Jokic was not so far and away above everybody else that he deserved a back-to-back. Yeah, so for me, I mean, I love Monty Williams, and especially for what this guy's gone through in his life. He lost his, he lost his children and his wife in a car accident. Um, but I'm with you. For me, I would have been really okay with Taylor Jenkins being you know, the head coach of the year, the Memphis Grizzlies coach. Uh, I think what he did was impressive. I believe they finished as the two seed this year. They were also 20 and six without John Moran. They were 20 and six without their best player, right? Uh, You brought up one that I didn't even think about, Nick Nurse and Udoka. Definitely Udoka. I mean, like we talked about, Boston was kind of dead in the water. They were like, who are you guys going to beat kind of situation? And, and they, they rallied to, to really be a force. And they, they have a really good chance of making it into the next round. As far as MVP was concerned, I mean, it's a toss-up. Um, it's hard to argue with Jokic. I get what you're saying. Um, I think, but I also, I do agree. Embiid was tremendous this year. If I was voting, that's who I would have voted for. Uh, Giannis. Giannis was dominant at certain points in the season and even he was dominant against Embiid which I think was big time might have cost Embiid actually getting the MVP but I do agree with Embiid like what else does he have to do I mean he was shooting threes he was fading away Ben Simmons wasn't playing a distraction Harden came towards the end he willed that team you know to the playoffs and to be in the position they're in um so it's it's always it's always hard. Um, I th- I do think if you if you the only thing I would say is if you take Jokic off of the Nuggets, you know they they probably they probably still make the playoffs, but they don't you know they don't get much further than where they got. Now if you take Embiid off the Sixers without Harden, I mean that's not even a team, and we know that. No, they're totally dead in the water. You're absolutely right. I mean, if you're looking at that team, right, you have your Shake Miltons, you have your T-Bulls, you have your uh, Danny Greens, you you have a bunch of role players. Right. right? You, you need that. And their anchor. coach is lousy. So, I mean... And, uh, and and we know it, and we know what that team that team was we know what the team was before he got there, and we know what they what they were capable of and wasn't much. So we know what that even looks like. We absolutely know what that looks like, and we know what this might look like too, because the Warriors have a chance to wrap up their series against the Grizzlies tonight. The Grizzlies sans John Morant, who. It didn't look like that bad of 
a play, but he's out with a bone bruise in his knee and a, it, a sprain, I believe. So it's not, he's done for the playoffs if the Grizzlies manage to survive this. Is this going to be a tainted series because John Morant is unavailable? But see, this is why the first round should be only five games. I mean, listen, I've had a bone bruise before, and it hurts. It hurts. I've had a knee sprain before. It hurts. I don't know if he's. De- I don't know if he'd be out for the playoffs, but I do agree that he's definitely done for the rest of the series. Um, it takes several weeks to to feel better, and you're still kind of sensitive to the area. Um, listen, the Grizzlies were 20 and six without John Moran. They're still a good team, but they're not a championship team. Um, the Warriors are former champions. They are a superior team. I don't think their victory will be tainted. But something to think about as we push forward in this playoffs is how bad will Kevin Durant look if the Warriors are able to not only get out of this round, but if they're able to make it to the championship and win the championship. So they've shown that they can win without him, what, four times and win with him once? I think that says a lot about Kevin Durant. The only thing that would make this sweeter is if the Thunder were somehow in the playoffs and they got farther than the Nets did. Like to, the, they, yeah, they win a championship without Kevin Durant. Right. So that would be just fantastic. That would be like in terms of pettiness, that would be that would be up there for me. But you're absolutely right. You know, John Morant, like they were 20 and 6 without him. So it, it remains to be seen if they you know, can rally around guys like Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson Jr. You, you mean you have talent, uh, Stephen Adams. You know, old man. Speaking of the Thunder, you know, Odin himself is uh, in the cent- in center. So, can they pro- can they take another game? Maybe. Is it likely? No. But you have to give all the credit to the Warriors. This is exactly what they were. You know. They were built to do, and this is why they're going to be a, they're going to be a tough out for the Suns if the Suns make it past the Mavericks. So, I, I really think, and I know I said this last year, but I was a year too early. I really like the Warriors in the finals. I like what they're doing, and you know they didn't miss a beat. They did not miss a beat whatsoever. They brought in guys like Poole. They brought it, you know, they retooled. And they made, they made lasting and substantial change to where they can keep going with this whole project. Well, yeah, let's not forget. I mean, I was the one that said I had the Warriors going to the championship and I had them taking on the heat. So my two teams are still alive. But think about this. They're doing all this without their number two overall pick, James Wiseman, who they drafted in 2020. So you're right. They did build a, they did build a solid team, but it was more about getting their guys back and getting their guys healthy. Wiseman's a trade chip at this point. He doesn't fit the roster. He doesn't fit what they do. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Wiseman gets moved. Right. And there, there will be, I believe, a flurry of teams that'll be interested in him. So they'll definitely have a chance to you know, stay competitive and stay into this. You know, what if they package like a James Wiseman and I don't know, Draymond Green to LA first for, for, uh, 
LeBron James. Could you imagine that? Clay and Curry playing with LeBron. And they win. Like that, so, would, that would be the ultimate FU to Durant. That'd be awesome. Right? Let's yeah, it. so I do I mean listen, I do I like the Warriors. Uh Steph Curry uh, and Clay Thompson, when they're on, they're on. I think they scored 142 points in either like the last game or the game before that. So they they're once when their shooting is on, it's on. I don't know if there's a team in the West that's going to be able to slow them down. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto, we really care about what's under your hood. Moving moving on to football, you know, the theme of the last three weeks with the NFL has been wide receivers, but the Miami Dolphins are also building quite a stable of running backs. Super Bowl champion Sony Michelle is joining a backfield with Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds. So now we've got Waddle and Hill on the outside. Strong backfield. Gusecki playing tight end. Is there a flaw in this Miami Dolphins offense that I can't I can't see? Well, immediately I can think of one. <laughs> number one. <laughs> number one. Number one in your program. Number one in your hearts. One Mr. Tua Tungavailoa. I don't I don't believe that Tua is the guy that is going to unlock the potential of this. And I and this like we said it last year when the whole Deshaun Watson thing started. You need a dynamic arm. And at the time prior to the whole sexual assault allegations, like Watson would have been that guy because he's got a cannon for an arm. Tua just doesn't fit the bill from a health standpoint, from an arm standpoint. Yes, I understand. He he completes 66% of his passes. I get that. But he's not prolific in that regard. And if you look at his touchdown to interception ratio, 16 touchdowns, 10 picks. It's not great. That's not great at all. It's a 6.8 yard average. It's not it's mediocre at best. So they need somebody with a dynamic arm and a guy who can unlock the potential of this. Because can Tua deliver a deep ball to Tyreek Hill? I don't know that. Like, I really don't know. He couldn't really get Devontae Parker going. He's going to get Tyreek Hill going? I just don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. Now, the running game... That running game may take the pressure off of Tua because it's legit. You have Raheem Mostert, solid player for the Niners. Now he's bringing he's bringing his game down there. Sony Michelle, underrated player, very underrated running back, and that was a good get for the Rams. Could they have done more with him? I think so, but it was a good one. And of course, the Fordham Flash. How could you not like what Chase Edmonds brings to the table? So, I really like the running back room that they put together. The wideouts are deep. Gasicki is Gasicki. I just don't think that Tua is the guy to unlock the potential of this offense. 
Yeah, uh, you know, I think they're going to compete with the Bills for the number one spot in the AFC East. The more and more I look at this team, I think they're going to surprise people. I think Mike McDaniels has a really good scheme up his sleeve. And I do think that the running game is going to open up things for the wide receivers and the tight ends. And it's going to help Tua get the ball to Waddle and Hill. I think I, I do I do like their chances. Um, and I agree with you. He do, imagine, imagine if this team had Deshaun Watson. Man, imagine how dynamic that would be. Oh, my gosh. But I think people are sleeping on the Dolphins. I do think they're... They're either the best or the second best team in that division. I think they've passed the Patriots. Defensively, I think they're solid, but I think they're gonna. They think they're gonna score a lot. I mean, we'll see. Because to me, like this is very much in a similar vein as the Eagles. Like I see a lot of that. That's a lot. It's just a question mark, right? You have dynamic players on offense and a quarterback that we still don't know what he is. Strangely enough, they, ironically enough, they both went to Alabama. So that's actually like, you know, that's more of a coincidence than anything. But like, I see a lot of similarities to that. I couldn't say with any degree of certainty that the Eagles are going to be any good, even though they just got A.J. Brown. But we've, we've said this a bunch of times, but, you know, they, the potential is there. But potential in 275 gets you on the bus. Yeah, but see, I like what the Eagles did. Like, you know, they—they're just not messing around. They're like, listen, I'm not gonna try to roll the dice on one of these wide receivers in the draft. Not. I know what AJ Brown is. I know what he can do to a football field, and I'm trying to figure out what my quarterback is. And I think the Dolphins are in a different position, right? To me, the Eagles are trying to figure out. Okay, is Jalen Hurts the guy, right? To me, that's what they're trying to figure out. We went and got A.J. Brown. He's an elite wide receiver. We're going to find out if you're an NFL quarterback. Now, with the Dolphins, I think they're banking on they're banking on Tua being the guy. They're like, no, he's our guy. We got Hill. We got Waddle. We got Kasicki. We got three stud running backs. We're ready to go. We believe in Tua. And that's why that's why all the moves that they made up until this point makes the most sense, right? Because if you didn't believe in him, you would have went and got Watson. You would have went and made a move for another. Well, like we 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 heard them grumblings about them getting Tom Brady. Wouldn't that have made so much more sense now with that backfield with those wide receivers, this tight end? You don't get McDaniel's. You get you get um. You go get Sean Payton. Could imagine what the Dolphins would look like with Tom Brady, Waddle, and Hill. Jeez, my goodness. My well, goodness. Fox beat them to Tom Brady. So kudos to Tom Brady for making a, a huge, huge post-career decision there. We didn't even mention that one, but you know we kind of buried the lead a little bit here too because like we keep talking about Tua. Teddy Bridgewater's there too, so it you know there's right. no guarantee that. Tua even wins the job coming out of training camp, and if he does, there's no guarantee that Teddy Bridgewater doesn't get any burn anyway because he gets Tua's going to get hurt, and then Teddy's going to get hurt, and then Tua's going to be back in. That was what we we talked about a couple weeks ago. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, absolutely. But Teddy Bridgewater is a competent quarterback, and 
the running game will help Teddy. I mean, Teddy's not throwing bombs downfield, but he's also the kind of guy that goes like throws like seven touchdowns and one interception over five games. Like that's what you want. You want a guy that's not turning the ball over, especially in the AFC East. There's no world beaters. I mean, as good as the Buffalo Bills are, I'm not scared of the Buffalo Bills. I saw them lose to the Colts. I saw the, you know, I saw them take the Titans all the way to the wire. Like, I'm not really scared of them. So, you know, we'll see. The but Buffalo the, Bills don't have yeah. a running game. Like, they still have not addressed that. Well, they drafted a running back, right? If I recall, they, they drafted dra- a guy. They drafted Singletary. They drafted Moss. They drafted this kid. <laughs> they draft running backs. They just yeah. don't use them. Yeah, yeah, and that was that that crushed me last year because they kept they kept they kept sitting Zach Moss. And I drafted him in fantasy. The guys just let the guy play. Would you would you draft him in the third round for from the hold the clipboard? Come on. Do you love brownies? Of course you love brownies. But you know what's better than a brownie? A delicious, handcrafted, gourmet brownie delivered right to your doorstep. That's what our guys at Sweet Life Brownie Co. offer. Chef Tommy D and the crew offer a dozen delicious delights that you will crave. From the classic OB to Dutch Apple to Campfire S'mores and many more. Check out their website, SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, for their Friday brownie drops. At noon, their site goes live and you see what they're making. Since you're there, become a site member and earn points. You earn 50 points just by signing up. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook too at SweetLifeBrownie underscore co for the latest updates and their latest releases and creations. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com. Give them a call, 845-641-3043 and tell them D&Z sent you. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, 845-641-3043. SweetLifeBrownieCo, because there's always room for a brownie. But speaking of being scared of people, one person the Penguins aren't scared of is the Rangers goalie, Igor Shosurskin. He was one of the best goalies during the regular season. And in game one against the Penguins, he stopped 79 and 83 shots in three periods and three overtimes. But he has been struggling since in his last seven, you know, his last eight periods. He's given up 14 goals and has managed to get pulled in the last two games. We knew how important we know how important goalies are in the NHL playoffs. So should the Rangers bench their star goalie? Well, it hasn't looked good for Igor Shosturkin. You can't you can't argue that he has been a different guy since that triple overtime game. He like he has been struggling, but the team in front of him has been struggling too. So that's something to be noted. They can't clear the net to save their lives. <laughs> Big rebounds. He's allowing rebounds, but you know, your defenseman, that's their job. Their job is to clear out the rebounds and clear out the bodies. That's your job. And the Rangers, kudos to Chris Drury for getting these more physical players. Because we talked about several times how soft the Rangers were. And how Tom Wilson exposed that last year. Just bitched them out, basically. So they go and get Ryan Reeves. They go and get 
Barkley Goudreau, who's been who's out with a broken foot. Is that the is that the be all end all? No, but Barkley Goudreau, that this series would be a hell of a lot different if you had a guy like Barkley Goudreau out there, who's also really talented. He's not just a goon. The guy can play. He's a tough, hard-nosed, physical guy. But to go back to your question about... So you're trying to say say it's not all his fault. It's not all his fault. If you watch watch the games like we have, they, they are folding like a cheap suit in front of their net. And this is a fault of the defense. Now, the Rangers cannot win a face-off to save their lives. If their li- literally, if their lives depended on it, they would be dead. Like, it is pathetic how bad they are on, on face-offs right now. Plus, this team, this team, even strength, was not a great team. They relied heavily on their power play, which was in the top five in the league. They had a solid penalty kill, but power play was where they're, that's where they hang their hat. Chris Kreider has not really been has been what they want to be because they can't get out. They can't break out there. They have to play in the penguin zone and they can't really get odd man rushes. So they've been neutralized. The penguins have proven to be their kryptonite because they pl- they're playing a collapsing style of defense and they, they're not allowing for those huge passes. But to go back to what you're saying about Igor, like Igor Shosturkin, he's the best option you got. Because Alexander Georgiev, I've said it a million times, I've seen enough of Alexander Georgiev to know that he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's good for a few games, but if you got to rely on him for an extended period of time, you're going to be disappointed. He has a 292 goals against average. Yes, that's solid. He's a career 294, but look at his save percentage. This year, an 898 save percentage. Career 908. Shesterkin, career 928, so 92% and 93%. Like, that's a lot better. And frankly, you know, they, the whole team needs to play better. I'm fine with Shesterkin being in there. And the only way he's going to get his confidence back is if he plays. Like, you know that and I know that. That's When you're, when you're playing in a crisis of confidence, you got to keep playing. If you get benched, you just gotta sit with that. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I listen. I say I agree with you. No, don't bench him. Let him play. But I think his leash needs to be a little shorter. Okay, uh, you can't wait for you know three goals, or three unanswered goals, or four unanswered goals to say, okay, let's take him out now. Uh, you gotta watch him too. You gotta watch his body language. The, the, you know, game game five is on right now. I'm not. I don't really like his body language in this game, but you know they're they're winning. But to me, I know you're trying to say it's not all his fault, but there are some goals that are just going underneath him, going between his legs, ricocheting. Ricochets you can't do nothing about, man. But there are some goals that he should have stopped. Out of the 14 he's given up, I'd say there's about, you know, six or seven of them he really should have been able to stop. Um, But he needs to stay in, you know, but the only thing I will say is if they take him out again, if if they decide to pull him, then leave him out for the rest of the series. I know you're saying the backup could 
You know, he's not a long-term solution, but we don't need him to be. We just need to get out of the, we just, they just need to get out of this series with the Penguins. All right, once they move on, then you bring him back or just ride the hot goalie, see the body language and see what happens. He's getting outplayed by a third-string goalie who ate spicy pork and broccoli in between the first and second overtime. Love spicy pork and broccoli, by the way. That's this crazy. guy tried to give himself diarrhea. <laughs> he tried to give himself the runs. What kills me I, is that what kills me is he, he you know, Shashurskin had such a great first game. You know, and it's just like he just hasn't been able to live up to that ever since, right? It's just that's the problem. He he started with such a high, you know, such a high, you know, a- aspirations. And it's just really fizzled out pretty badly. Who does that remind you of? A Vezina Trophy-nominated <laughs> Ranger goalie who can't close in the playoffs. Listen, I never... <clears throat> you know, New York loves... New York loves him. Lundquist. I never thought... I never loved him. I thought he was good. I think he was great. Uh, you know, he, he just... He, especially the last five years, were brutal. But... You know, this, the Rangers still have a chance. They are winning by one goal now with about eight or nine minutes left in the period. So hopefully they can hang on. But one team that's already gone home is the Predators. The Avalanche swept the Preds out of the playoffs, averaging five goals per game. Is there anyone that can challenge the Avalanche after what you've seen so far in the NHL playoffs? Just to note, Mike Richter never won a Vezina. He just won a Stanley Cup. I'm just going to throw that out there, folks. Do with that information what you will. Now, if you're looking talent-wise, you're going to want to say Edmonton because, oh, they have McDavid, you have Dreisaitl. They're losing to the Kings. <laughs> the Los Angeles Kings are not the Los Angeles Kings of 2014, of 2015, 2013. It's not those guys anymore. Jonathan Quick, Jonathan Quick's not there. Jonathan Quick is still. He's the only. Jonathan Quick and Andre Kopitar. I think Dustin Brown is there too. Drew Doughty's out for the playoffs. Like it's not the same team. Now you're looking at. I mean, if you're looking at a team like St. Louis could get going. You have Tarasenko. You have Binnington. You have guys that have won the cup from there, so they have that playoff pedigree, that playoff experience. It's hard to say anybody coming out of the Western Conference. Maybe Calgary. Calgary was an overall number one. They're playing, you know, the, they're playing the Stars pretty tight. And we'll see what goes from there. But the lesser the lesser end teams, the lower end teams, no. I don't, really don't see anybody coming out of the West. So that brings you to the Eastern Conference. I don't believe in the Leafs. They have a lead over the Lightning. The Lightning seem to have kind of like checked out. Like they were very, they're, they seem very content with back to back, not winning, a, uh, going for a three peat. They just seem to not play, not be playing their regular game. The Florida Panthers, the Florida Panthers are having a little bit of trouble with the Caps, so. We'll see what they can do about that. You know, I gotta say, Carolina. Carolina's a dangerous team. If you look at Rod Brindamore and what they do, they score, they have a good goalie, they play defense. That could give Colorado, as talented as they are, 
that could give Colorado fits. So if I if I'm Colorado, I don't want any part of the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, so for me, uh, I based on what I've seen so far, I don't think there's a team in the West that can hang with the Avalanche. The Kings might challenge the Avalanche. I know you know you made fun of the Kings, and the Oilers might, but you know they're they're also facing each other. I haven't seen anything to make me think that the Avalanche won't cruise to the finals. Now, as far as teams in the East, yeah, I agree with you. I think Carolina. Not the Bruins, not the Maple Leafs. Tampa, just because they're former champions and they just have such stars on their team. I mean, they just have stars on their team. Uh, And I don't think the Rangers are talented enough. Uh, It looks like Crosby got knocked out in the third period. So if if the Penguins are not at full strength, I don't know if they can really hang with them. Um, Calgary, it's a waste of time. So... That's just a waste of time. Like I, they're a joke, that team. So, yeah, I um, I'd have to agree with you. I think I think the Avalanche are the most talented. Um, we'll see what happens from here. Yeah, I mean, talent doesn't always win, right? You run into a hot goalie, injuries occur. So, like right now, the Minnesota Wild, you know, they're they're kind of giving the Blues fits. Yeah, so all you gotta not, do is neither get of those hot. teams are stopping anybody, right dude. The, the Wild and the Blues are not beating anybody, man. All, <laughs> they're all, already planning their trip. They're tra- they're already planning for the offseason, those two teams. I mean, like, come on, stop. If you're looking, all you gotta do is get hot. Now you know this. You know this. But what bothers me is the goaltending situation, right? Uh, Jacob Markstrom in Calgary, eh, okay, fine, whatever. But, I mean, they got some players. You know, they have Johnny Goodrow, they have Matthew Kachuk, Manjapani's good, Brett Ritchie is a solid player. They, they they went and got Tyler Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli of... Tyler Toffoli's still alive? He's still in the league. <laughs> he's still in the league. So they unearthed him after he after he left the Kings. So, you know, it all goes back to the Kings. Thought you were dead. <laughs> I was your wife and my kids. <laughs> so, you know, Calgary is, de- I mean, Calgary's possible. I mean, you don't, you earn a number one seed out there and, you know, we'll see. But, like, anything can happen in NHL. It's more unpredictable than, say, the NBA playoffs. Oh, gosh. God, awful. Blowouts last week or last night. Just, it was, I turned it off. The Suns Sun blo- was a blowout. The the Heat was a blowout. Like nobody wanted to play. The Rangers were a blowout against the Penguins. <laughs> it, it, it it's it cuts both ways, but there's a greater chance of a team of a wild card really getting to the final. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Who would have predicted that the St. Louis Blues would have won the cup a couple of years ago? Nobody. Like, not I. No, not in, not even close. A rookie goalie and an interim head coach. <laughs> no way! No way! So, you know, stranger things have happened, but for for Colorado's sake, they need to make it's like of all the of all the teams, right? Edmonton, Toronto, Colorado, shit or get off the pot. It's time. It's time. I can't keep hearing about how good Landeskog is, how good Kale McCarr is, how good Matthews is, how good McDavid is. Shit or get off the pot. 
prove you are worthy of the praise we are giving you. It's time. It's time. It's time for the mail route on the fade route. If you want to get featured, hit us up. FaderoutMail at gmail.com or slide in those DMs at FaderoutPodcast on IG or drop us a line on our Twitter page at FaderoutDNZ. All right, boys and girls, we have a full full email box here and if you want to be part of the action hit us up fade route mail at gmail.com slide in our dms on instagram at fade route podcast or drop us a dm on twitter at fade route dnz our first email today comes from rob in hell's kitchen Welcome back, Rob, friend of the show. Hey, guys, big Giants fan. With James Bradbury gone, do I need to be worried about Wink Martindale's defense? I'll leave. I'll let you answer that first. No, you don't need to be worried at all. James Bradbury, as, as good as he was with Carolina, he didn't really deliver the goods. He did not really deliver the goods. And frankly... The Giants' secondary as a whole didn't really deliver the goods either, which is why Logan Ryan was moving on, why they got rid of James Bradbury. The Giants have this problem where they overspend on free agents. And this this is recent vintage. So they like to overspend on defensive players. Like Olivier Vernon, I'm looking at you. And... It doesn't really work in the long term because they underperform. If you look at Bradbury, he started 16 games last year. Okay. Four picks. Decent. Decent. But he was not the feared player. He was not the feared player he was in Carolina. And to be real, a lot of that was also a lot of that is also on the table too. Joe Shane trying to get rid of all the Dave Gettleman influence. So getting rid of anybody who once even looked at a Carolina Panthers jersey. If you once considered going to University of North Carolina or Duke, nope, sorry, you're gone. But I feel that the Giants will be fine without James Bradbury. You have Xavier McKinney. You have you have players in the secondary who will fill these roles and will also be a heck of a lot cheaper, too. So you can address other needs and can you can do it better. Uh you know, I I mean I, I like James Bradbury. I like James Bradbury. I, I, I would be concerned if I was a Giants fan. Right now, with Dory Jackson is the best corner, and there's nobody after that. Uh, I could certainly see uh, Bradbury going to the Patriots. 
the defensive backfield on the Giants might be the weakest link right now. I think their front, I think their their defensive front is solid. I think it's strong. I don't think they have to really worry about that with with um, Thibodeau and Williams. But um, and you would assume Blake, Blake Martinez will be back to play linebacker, so you might be you're okay on the second level. But I think they should definitely be concerned at the defensive backfield. If you're looking at it, yeah, you have Cordell Flott. You know, Julian Love isn't that great either. Adore Jackson. <laughs> Who? Mr. Mr. Flott. Flotsam, yeah. and, Je- Flotsam and Jetsam. He oh. should be on the Jets. Okay. So, you this team is built for pass rush now, right? You have Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, Tay Crowder can rush the passer, Blake Martinez can rush the passer, Aziz Ojalari can run the... Like, these guys can... Dude, O'Shane Zimenez, if he can ever get on the field, like that was his whole thing. Zimenez was a pass rusher, so they're they're banking on the fact that they're going to be so much. There's going to be so much pressure in the backfield that they can get away with some of these guys. And this may not be the final product, right? Because if you look, there will be cuts, there will be moves, there will be players available, and the Giants can always fill in with that. Because you're looking at Jackson, Darnay Holmes, Aaron Robinson, Jaron Williams. These guys fill out a roster. So I think that I think that they will be fine. And I think that eventually there will they'll be able to fill out this roster with comparable players at a lesser cap hit. Email number two, coming from Elena in North Carolina. Hey guys, Texas Ranger manager Chris Woodward called Yankee Stadium a Little League ballpark. Why are Yankee fans so upset? Who? (laughs) Who? Who? Who cares what Chris Woodward has to say? Honestly, he's just bitter because they got they got walked off on or they got they got beat by the home run ball. His own team doesn't even listen to him. I'm not phased. Yankee fans shouldn't be phased. I mean, it is a small bar ballpark, but who really cares? Ultimately, it is sour grapes by a guy who just got beat. Right? A carpenter or craftsman blames his tools. So you're just going to make excuses, right? And this seems like a giant-ass excuse. Oh, the ballpark's too small. No, my pitcher doesn't suck. No, it's not the fact that my pitcher is hot garbage. No, it's because of the ballpark. That is just, that's a loser's mentality. All I hear from that is, I'm a loser. My team's a loser. (laughs) And I'm going to enable losing. If I'm the, if if I am the owner of the Rangers, I immediately think, what the hell have I gotten myself into with this guy? Because this is what he accepts. He accepts the dog ate my homework. Like, no. Sorry, buddy. At some point, you need to be a professional. And you need to say, we got beat. We got beat. It's the ballpark's fault. The ballpark is too small. I understand that baseball is the only sport that that does not have uniform dimensions. I get that. Play better. Who cares? The balls are different. The bats are different. Everything's different. It's the great equalizer. 
Just play better. That's the whole point. You got Seager. You got Simeon. You got John Gray. This was supposed to be... This was supposed to be the year that you turned it around. And now you're making excuses? That doesn't sound good. And that doesn't sound good for your long-term job security. But hey, maybe that's just me. And email number three from Donnie in Colonial Heights, Virginia. Another friend of the show. Hey guys, Lamar Jackson has yet to sign a contract extension with the Ravens. What's the holdup? You know, I'm not quite sure I understand what's going on here. I mean, you would think they were, you would think, you would assume they're offering at least $40 million a year, right? Mm-hmm. With $150 million guaranteed. I mean, is it possible that he doesn't want to play in Baltimore? I think his skill set is so specific. I'm not sure he would fetch a more a better a better offer on the open market. You know, Baltimore is able to offer him the most because they don't want to start over. They feel like they have their quarterback. They've designed the offense around him. So, short of them not offering him 40 mil, 150 guaranteed, 5 or 6 years, I don't know what the holdup is. Maybe they're coming to the realization that he's not as good as we think he is, even though he's won an MVP. So you're thinking that they're, that's not their offer. You're thinking their offer is either what, money-wise or years-wise is not to his liking? I think that it's a combination of the, of the two. Because okay. if you're looking at that, right, they... They invested in him, right? He's supposed to be the guy. But they also are kind of failing him, too. Because if you look at what they're putting around him, you have Gus Edwards, Mike Davis, and J.K. Dobbins, right? And they just brought in Mike Davis. Your wideouts, you have a bunch of nothing, right? You have Duvernay, okay, a kick returner. He's a kick returner. (laughs) Bateman, Bateman is not a number one. You traded your alleged number one in Hollywood Brown. And then Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is your weapon, right? He is your primary, he is your primary offensive weapon. So I'm sure that Lamar Jackson is frustrated with the fact that this team's not building around him. And I'm sure this team is frustrated that Lamar Jackson couldn't deliver the goods when they did build around him. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if they were hesitant at the very least or just willing to say goodbye because you can definitely find quarterbacks who can keep your, I mean, if you're just trying to keep it afloat, unless they believe in Tyler Huntley. Uh, See, they, I, like, I do like him. I like him a lot. And I was surprised another team didn't try to sign him. You know, I was surprised by that, and the and the and the and the, the Ravens were sure to, you know, get him back in camp and get him there. But I mean, you got you got to wonder what's going on. I just if I'm Lamar Jackson, you know where I'm looking. I'm from Pompano Beach, Florida. I'm looking at Miami. 
I'm looking yeah. I'm looking at that yeah. situation and they're built, right? Yeah. If they believe and they want to run that style, right? They want to run a similar system with a semi-mobile quarterback because you don't really want Lamar Jackson, you know, running all the time the same way they don't want Tua running all the time. Who would you rather have delivering the ball to Tyreek Hill, Lamar Jackson or Tua? Right? To me, that seems to be like a no-brainer. So if I'm Lamar, Lamar I'm has improved. Lamar, okay, that's fair. That's fair. But if, as a Ravens fan, Lamar hasn't wowed me with his arm. No. And if he hasn't wowed me with his arm, I can't imagine that he's wowed any Miami Dolphins scout, any Texans scout, or any Seattle Seahawks scout with his arm. Uh, he just seems. He seems determined to prove himself. But what do you? What are you trying to prove? I mean, we saw what happened with Baker this last season, right? Mm-hmm. He was on a prove me season, and they got his replacement. <laughs> uh, you have Danny Dimes. His fifth option was not picked up. It's a prove me season for him. A guy who gets hurt a lot. Yep. L- Lamar's style of play leaves him susceptible to injury. So now if you get hurt, they're going to pull back on their offer. I mean, are you ready for that? And that's the thing is I I don't know if he I don't I don't know. I don't know what he's looking for. I don't know. I don't know what he's looking for. We don't know what the team's offered him, but I got to be honest with you. The first thing I thought about was and as weird as it sounds, I don't think he wants to play in Baltimore. I don't think so. And it's more like, well, you know, how much are you guys going to offer me to play here? And he looked at the number and he's like, yeah, it doesn't, you know, it's it's not compelling enough for me to stay. No, it's definitely, you know, it's a question mark for sure because, you know, he does have an MVP under his belt. So that's the, that's the tricky part, right? Because in his first full season as a starter, the guy takes home an MVP. So he's got the goods. I mean, he can't, he, can't really, he can't really think he's going to light it up this year without Hollywood Brown. But that's I'm the just... other thing. The, <laughs> the organization the organization has systematically stripped away, right? And his best running back is coming off of an ACL tear, right? Yeah, Dobbins. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, I actually think the Ravens came in last place last season in the division. Pretty sure they came in last. They came in last. That was a, the, the division of attrition. So that that is probably the best division in all of football. Now they no, won't this year. No, it's Come the on. toughest division. It is the mm. toughest division. I think the AFC West and the I think the AFC West and the NFC West are pretty tough, man. I mean, physical tough. Oh, okay. I'm talking right. physical tough. Like all if right. you look at it, like the Chargers are good, the Raiders are meh, the Broncos are meh. The Chiefs this year, I don't know. To be uh, to be perfectly candid, right now, right now it's a big question mark. So that division's taking a hit, right? Then you look, the Seahawks are the drizzling shits. The Niners, I don't know what the Niners are going to be this year because I really don't know what they have in Jimmy Garoppolo. What, what are they going to do with that? The Rams are going to be good. They're the reigning defending champs. So yeah, and then the Cardinals. You know, is Kyler Murray, is he legit? Is he the guy? Or is he just going to be an also-ran who's, you know, going to run his way out of Arizona? 
because that team's got expectations. That team definitely has expectations, and they're underachievers. So, I don't know. You do have the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. The Browns, I would argue, are... Like, they're definitely a step back. The court, Outside of the quarterback, we don't know what the quarterback is with the Steelers because Ben is gone. Solid team. Ravens could be there. Like, that's going to be a tough division. That's going to be a tough division. Absolutely. And maybe he does... Maybe Lamar Jackson doesn't want that. Like, maybe he... Maybe he wants to just go play in a warm-weather climate. He wants to air it out. I, I don't know what... I, I don't know what he's thinking. Because... He would have signed a deal by now. He definitely would have. But if you look at his numbers, 36 to 26 to 16, and his numbers of games is going are going down, that gives you a little bit of pause. So it might be mutual at this point. Are you in need of air care, maintenance, or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. The Fade Store presents the alleged superstar of the week award. Alright boys and girls, you know what time it is. It is time for the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. You know how it goes. We put up a poll after our show with our nominees at FadeRouteDNZ on Twitter. And you vote. And you keep voting until we close the poll on the day of our next episode. So keep on voting, folks. And you can decide who takes home the ass. And do you know who took home the ass last week, D? I don't. One Mr. Ryan Tannehill. That guy. That ass. So there you go. So you get to choose. We provide the choices. Who are your nominees this week, D? So first up, I have the Fox executives for signing Tom Brady to a 10-year, $375 million contract to be their lead analyst once he retires. Really? At, at what place in time did Tom Brady show that he can be compelling as a lead analyst? I love the guy, but the majority of America hates him. Fox execs, you are my alleged superstars of the week. Next, the PGA Tour. Preventing players like Garcia, Mickelson, McElroy, and Speed from playing in the Saudi Golf League is absurd. You can't control where golfers play. PGA Tour, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last, and certainly least, the Red Scouting Department. Kristen Yelich hit for a cycle for the third time in his career against the Cincinnati Reds. Guys, put together a scouting report on Kristen Yelich. 
back to the drawing board. How could you let this happen three times? Cincinnati Red Scouting Department, you are on my alleged superstar of the week. Z, what do you got? All fine choices. Absolutely fine choices. I'm going to keep it mostly confined to baseball, but I do have one from hockey and I do have one from basketball. We're going to start with hockey. New York Islanders for firing Barry Trotz after a conference final and a conference semifinal appearance. Your greatest success in ages. Your greatest success since Mike Bossy wore your sweater. Your locker room needs a new voice, huh? Nah, man. That, That just doesn't compute. New York Islanders, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Noah Syndergaard for throwing shade at the Mets after Reed Detmer's no-hitter, saying it was a real no-hitter because one pitcher threw it. Dude, drink your bone broth, your kombucha, ride your bike to the farmer's market, and keep the Mets name out your mouth. I never liked you when you were a Met, and you keep proving me right for doing so. Noah Syndergaard, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Chris Woodward! For trashing Yankee Stadium after Glaber Torres' walk-off homer in Game 1 of the doubleheader. Calling it a Little League Park. How about your boys play better instead of you bitching about the ballpark? You're a loser. Your team's a loser. You have a loser mentality. You're going nowhere, and you're going nowhere fast. Chris Woodward, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least... Sean Marks, GM of the Nets, for finally, 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 finally holding a little bit of accountability to Kyrie Irving, saying that he needs people who are going to be here, and he needs people who are going to make basketball or make this team a priority. Dude, are you kidding me? You should have put your foot down a long time ago. If you put your foot down sooner, call me crazy. Maybe I'm crazy, but if you put your foot down sooner with this guy, you wouldn't have been bounced in the first round of the playoffs. You might have been. You might have had home court advantage. You might have been in the top of the division, top of the conference. But because you enabled Kyrie Irving, you are now playing golf talking about what Kyrie needs to do next year instead of playing whomever. Maybe the Heat. Fine, you're going to get bounced by the Heat. Who cares? You'd still be playing. Sean Marks, you are my alleged superstar of the week. I think we've made our case, ladies and gentlemen. Find the poll on Twitter when it goes up at FadeRouteDNZ. And for the nominees. Just do better, boys. Just do better. podcast has its own merch line now go to the fade store with dnz.com today for all your fade route merch needs i'm talking tank tops t-shirts 
sweatshirts. Like yoga pants? We got those too. Like some cool accessories? We got those too. And we're not done yet. We have so much more planned for you, but check out what we have today at the Fade Store with DNZ.com. That's the Fade Store with DNZ.com. Order up! All right, here we go, boys and girls. It is time for us to order up. Order up, order up. And this week, we are ordering up the top five quarterbacks on the hot seat this season in the NFL. From five to one, who you got, Dave? All right, I'm going to start off with your boy, Tua. There are are no excuses this year. The Dolphins have built a solid offense, so I think there's going to be pressure for him to stay healthy learn the playbook, and not turn over the football. Number four, Carson Wentz. This might be his last chance in the league with the Commanders. Philly traded him away. The Colts felt he was not the right fit. Ugh, Colts felt you were the right fit, jeez. And the Commanders <laughs> were the only team interested in his services. Carson Wentz, you're at number four. Number three, Ryan Tannehill, everyone's favorite. Tennessee quarterback <laughs> by saying comments like he doesn't feel he needs to show Malik Willis the ropes he's pretty much admitting he feels his seat getting warm number two Daniel Jones the Giants did not pick up his fifth year option so it's prove it or lose it time Danny Dimes and number one kind of weird because he doesn't really have a seat to sit on right now but Baker Mayfield the Browns brought in Deshaun Watson to replace you. The Seahawks decided to re-sign Geno Smith instead of trade for you. And nobody has traded. And nobody's and nobody's asking about you. Nobody cares what you do with your life. So, Baker Mayfield comes in number one. What do you got, Z? All good choices. All very good choices. This is going to be a co-5. I'm with you on Tua. But I'm lumping Jalen Hurts in as well. You guys need to prove not only can you play, but that you can handle the expectations that come with what you're doing. Two is out of excuses. Jalen Hurts, you're running out of excuses. So you kind of have to perform this year. Sing for your supper a little bit. Number four, Kirk Cousins. Mr. 500, Mr. Mediocre. The only thing this guy is good at is getting paid. At some point, (laughs) at some point, this dude needs to sing for his supper. At some point, he needs to be held to account. I don't, if I was as mediocre at my job (laughs) as Kirk Cousins is at his job, I would have been fired. You mean you wouldn't get an extension? No, (laughs) I wouldn't get a max contract. I'd be out of my ass, probably eating canned soup. Kirk Cousins, you're number four. Easily, 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 easily. Number three, Dak Prescott. He's been voted by number one in some polls. I think that they have scaled back some of the players around him. They've been, you know, they they need to prove, and the Cowboys need to prove that he's worth the money, 
and that they're actually good. Because the, the the Cowboys, they were they were not great last year. They were actually quite mediocre. So he needs to do better. They need to do better, and that falls on him. That falls on him. That's what the money's for. That is what the money is for. Number two, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, you kind of need to, you kind of need to play a little bit, buddy. Right? Former MVP. You kind of need to live up to the hype. You want to get paid. You have to freaking perform. And you know what better way to do that than take a guy like Bateman, take a guy like Duvernay, and turn him into household names. How about that? And number one, Kyler Murray. Should or get off the pot time, right? Yes, DeAndre Hopkins is out for six games. That team is still stacked. They went and got Hollywood Brown. So you're going to have Hopkins. You're going to have Brown. You're going to have Green. You're going to have Ertz. You have so much talent. So much talent. It's embarrassing. You need to do better. You need to do better, Mr. Murray. This one's on you. Otherwise, enjoy Sacramento. Enjoy enjoy AAA with the A's. This has been the Fade Route with DNC. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. It's time for us to run the go route, but we'll talk to you next week. want to get on the action we want to hear from you hit us up fade route mail at gmail.com slide in our dms on ig at fade route podcast drop us a dm on twitter at fade route dnz comment on our youtube channel the fade route with dnz questions comments picks segment suggestions you name it we want to hear from you get at us in crowd Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.